Paul's letter to the Romans begins with a story. And though he did not know us, the story Paul tells is about us. Our text for today comes in the middle of that story. This is Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. What then are we to say? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin go on living in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin. For whoever has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Friends, will you pray with me? Lord, you have given me a word for your people. May that word now go forth with the power and anointing of your Holy Spirit. May it truly be your word and not mine. May these spoken words bear witness to your living word. Amen. Once upon a time, all humanity was trapped under the power of sin. And by sin, I mean a literal cosmic power that governs the entire world. This is sin with a capital S. Sin is the chief power amongst the principalities and powers, and it has one goal, to work its way into our bodies, making it impossible for us to live according to God's ways. Later in his letter to the Romans, Paul describes the predicament like this. I am of the flesh, sold into slavery under sin. I do not understand my own actions. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. When I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. This is a problem. 
The power of sin is so all-encompassing that we cannot break free of it by our own strength. Now, thankfully, there is a solution to this problem. As Paul explained in our reading from today, whoever has died is freed from sin. Easy enough, right? Not so much. Thanks to sin's buddy, death, when humans die, they stay dead. Whatever freedom we might find on the other side of death is not a freedom we could live into. And so here goes the story sin was writing for the world. Humans live, they struggle, and they die. The end. And then a child was born. And this child grew up, became a man, and lived just like all of us in a world under the power of sin. But he lived a life so full that if its fullness were written down, the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. In the end, his life was too much for a world under the power of sin. And so sin did what sin always does. It snuffed out life. It marshaled the full strength of the Roman imperial regime and put this man to death. But he did not stay dead. And remember, whoever has died is freed from sin. Christ's resurrection changed everything. It made a way where there was no way. Christ himself is that way. Through Christ, it became possible for us weak and fragile humans to become recipients of eternal life. The kind of life that sin can never conquer. But there's still one problem. Christ is risen but we are not. We have not died. Sin and death still have dominion over us. And so how do we tap into what Christ has done for us? Do we simply wait until we die and then hope for the best? By no means. Paul says we don't have to wait at all. Freedom from sin is not simply waiting for us on the other side of death. Freedom is present to us right now. We can die right now, even while we are still living. And all we need is a little bit of water. As best we can tell, the earliest Christian communities practiced baptism by immersion. Your entire body would be submerged underwater, and then you would come back up. 
Going underneath the water and then coming back up was meant to physically reenact Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. But Paul does not view baptism as mere theater. He believes that when we are baptized, we are actually uniting with Christ, mystically participating in his death and resurrection through the power of the Holy Spirit. We really do die with Christ, and we really will rise again with Christ. And as a result, what is true for Christ becomes true for us. Remember, whoever has died is freed from sin. So even though we live in a world governed by sin, we ourselves are no longer governed by it. Sin no longer has the authority to write our story. That authority now belongs to the risen Christ, who invites all who walk with him and follow him and die with him to walk in newness of life. This is the story Paul tells in his letter to the Romans. Now, why tell this story? After all, the idea of sin with a capital S feels a bit like a relic from a bygone era. Invisible cosmic powers controlling our lives, inhabiting our bodies. It seems a bit outlandish. And yet this is exactly how the world works. Paul did not know us, but the story he tells is about us. Our lives are in so many ways defined by forces beyond our control. Patriarchy, capitalism, racism, the list goes on and on. These sinful, death-dealing powers are doing exactly what Paul says sin does. Working their way into our bodies, making it harder and harder for us to live according to God's ways. Patriarchy constrains our concepts of gender and sexuality. Capitalism tells us our worth is determined by what we produce. Racism decides for us which bodies are worth protecting and prevents us from living in solidarity with one another. No one is immune to these powers. They are constantly pushing and pulling us toward alienation and disintegration. And so whether we blame the system or sin with a capital S, I am convinced that what Paul says is true. We can will what is right, but we cannot do it. When we want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. But there is good news in this story, friends. 
The good news is that God cares enough about our living that God is not content to leave us as mere victims to the powers of this world. In Christ, God has made a way for us to walk in newness of life. So even in the midst of a world where sin still reigns, freedom is possible. Justice is possible. Life is possible. We just need to die. Baptism is the sacramental means of our death. Through the waters of baptism, we die with Christ, and through the power of the Spirit, we are set free from sin's reign. But after telling us what baptism does for us in Romans 6, 1 through 11, Paul goes on to say this, Therefore, do not let sin exercise dominion in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. No longer present your members to sin as instruments of wickedness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And present your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. Thanks to our baptism, Sin no longer reigns over us. It no longer defines us. But it can still affect us, influence us, and even control us. Friends, our baptism is not merely a sacramental death. It is not merely a means of grace. It is an invitation to become instruments of righteousness, to actively resist the work of sin in our bodies and in the world. Our baptism is an initiation into death as a way of life. Through our baptism, we die to all of the ways sin tries to exercise its power within us. We die to our need for control, our fear of vulnerability, our reluctance to rest. We die to patriarchy's scripts for gender and sexuality, to the productivity mindset that defines life under capitalism, to the internalized racism which distorts our social and political imaginations. As we live out these deaths, we become, in the words of the theologian Brian Bantam, burning bushes and tongues of fire, bodies set ablaze with the Spirit. We become beacons of the coming kingdom of God, a world where sin has lost its power and death has lost its sting. Now, thankfully, we do not have to do this work alone. As Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 17, God has sent God's spirit to be with us and to guide us into truth and life. 
And this means that God is with us, literally within us, each and every day as we die to ourselves. In fact, it is God's Spirit at work within us that transforms these deaths into life for us and for the world. And the Spirit is not all that God gives us. God also gives us one another, the body of Christ. And when that body is composed of people who are following Christ into death, it is like single quiet notes uniting together into a resounding symphony of abundant life. God even gives us creation where life is sustained by death and decay. Through creation, God reminds us that death is beautiful, holy, and most of all, necessary. Now, this is hard work. It's a lifetime's worth of work. But it is work sustained by God's free gift of grace. And that means that it is work which is not too much for us. The late Lutheran theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when Christ calls a person, he calls them to come and die. And today, Christ is calling to us from the waters of our baptism. And I wonder, can you hear him? He's calling us to join him, to take up our cross and follow him. He's calling us to leave behind the reign of sin and present ourselves to God as members and instruments of righteousness. He's calling us to a life of resisting the sinful death-dealing forces at work in the world and within us. He is calling us to die. So may we embrace the summons to death. And in the dying, may we find life and life everlasting. Amen.